Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports. I'm Jason Springer, joined in studio by Jeff Rutberg. Back with you on 610 AM Sports ESPN Radio. Ryan and Jeff Cohen are off this week, so we'll take you on this Saturday sports journey today. It's playoff time in the NHL and NBA with great games left and right. We're under a week to the NFL draft, and today we've got a special treat with our guests in studio to talk about the sport of sled hockey. We'll get to all that as the show unfolds, but Jeff, first, how are we doing this week? Did you watch some sports? I did. I watched the Phillies take two out of three from the New York Mets. Did that make you excited? Very good. And Aaron Nola won, and he's now 2-0, and which is fabulous. His velocity is up on his pitches, too, which, although he's, he's not a burner, it's good to see uh, coming off the injury last season. We'll talk a little more Phillies in the third segment as we get there, but it's been fun to watch. You watch NHL hockey? Of course I do. I, I like that. I yeah. watch everything. I, you know that. I like the overtime games. In fact, when it's like 2 to nothing or 3 to nothing, it's like, oh, well, that game's over. The atmosphere <laughs> for an overtime hockey game, even when I don't have a rooting interest, I get anxious. I sit on the edge of my seat like I'm a fan for one of the teams, and every shot I hold my breath. And it's just, you know, I watch these amazing saves by these goalies and you, you just wonder the concentration that they have to have to be able to see the puck through all of this mess of players, the speed that the game's at. It, it's just, there's nothing like overtime hockey. We'll talk more about that in the second segment and third uh, segment too. I just want to say one thing about uh, hockey. Yeah. About uh, 10 years ago when my daughter was, uh, um, you know, uh, growing up and she, uh, before she did be- turned into an adult uh we gave her skating lessons okay and uh, a couple of times i went to this flyer skate zone to to try it again okay even though i didn't take any uh, any any uh, lessons and i'm um, you know th- i decided this time to get away from the boards and get out there and just give it a go how did it go well um it 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 went. Um, <laughs> I got around a couple of times, very slowly, until this is in Atlantic City. My daughter says to me, "Dad, why don't you get off the ice before you fall and break something?" Oh no, you were requested to leave the ice by yes, your daughter. Yes, by my daughter. Yeah. Oh. So I got off. That was the last time that uh, I went. Uh, but I I realized after all those years of screaming at the Flyers that we we had season tickets that it was challenging and that that uh, they were lousy and why couldn't they put the puck in the net and what's the matter? You had a a shot right there. Just take a shot. I realized how hard it is to play hockey, to play ice hockey. So then we'll play. We'll, we'll continue this when we talk to our. So uh, you have guests. newfound respect for newfound hockey. respect for, for ice hockey. So my players. son's a little young at three months old to take skating, but uh, at some point we'll teach him, and hopefully I will have more grace than I had when I was younger and tried to skate myself. We'll see yeah, how that we'll all see works, how out. That works out. So Jeff, uh, I know that you sit on the edge of your seat waiting for every piece of sports news. Were you anxiously <laughs> awaiting the NFL marketed release in prime time last night? Sorry, we're taping the show on Thursday, so it's Friday right now of the NFL schedule at 8 p.m. Did you watch that two-hour special on the NFL Network? Not at all. No, that's, you're not that no, audience? No, no, I'm not. Uh, but I, uh, I heard from friends of mine right away who wanted Eagles tickets for, they, uh, they wanted for your, the season. They, oh, yeah. They, they weren't analyzing the schedule for you to help out with preparation for the show. They just wanted your seats. They, that's that's right. all they cared that's all, about. That's it. So it's, the season will start again. We are on the road against the Redskins. I know that you don't like the fact that there is already a line on the game huh. because you don't know what players will be on the field, right, Jeff? Right. No, we, we, it's, it's even before the uh, undrafted free agents and before the draft, and they're already talking about how many wins they're going to have based on the schedule, based on last year's team. 
well, it could be that or the 100th mock draft going on right now right. for the draft next week. For those who do care, the Eagles are a two-and-a-half-point underdog. So we knew even <laughs> already going, going into the season at this point with no other changes to their roster, apparently, so, for those who may be interested in that type of news. So they already don't have enough assets to win that game. See, you're going to start using that word now. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, for our listeners who haven't listened recently, Jeff is still not a fan of the word assets. He believes it is co-opted all of that is fun in sports and now everything is treated as it is property and is not nearly as fun anymore so before the schedule was even released we knew it was going to be a tough season they're playing against the AFC West the NFC West against and their own division so before you have the rosters it's ranked as the 10th hardest schedule then you look at how it laid out three of the first four games are on the road then they'll play four or five at home and then they've got four or five back on the road not quite what you'd hope for, Jeff, you're not happy that you will be celebrating your holidays at the stadium this year. <laughs> no, well, not not really. They're, they're a little bit beyond. But opening day is a couple weeks later than the normal. Opening the day opening, would be week in, in three. Week three. Uh, but that's also good because I find that uh, when they, then they open up right after uh, Labor Day, it's really hot down at the, at the link. Yeah, you're so. you, you're big on temperature for the <laughs> for your sporting events. Right, it's, that that impacts the atmosphere for you. So we open our home schedule opens against the Giants after we play the Fighting Andy Reeds in Kansas City in Week Two on the road. Yeah. So then all of a sudden our schedule changes a little bit. If you look at it, we've got a bye week later in the season this year. Last season we were we had a bye week in Week Four. So okay. It's, better this week this year right yeah but week 10 i think right yes but then we don't face any teams coming off of their own buy this which year is, which is great because you know how andy reed teams do coming off uh, a buy they they usually slaughter the next team in the middle of the season the eagles have a gap of 38 days in between road games they'll play carolina in week six and dallas in week 11 on the road they'll be home before in between that whoa that's a lot yeah. of yeah. So it's a it's an interesting schedule to to follow back and forth. Then they've got a West Coast trip. They've got to go west to play the Chargers in L.A. But they're going to play in weeks thirteen and fourteen the Rams and the Seahawks back to back. And if the if they're two and eleven by that time, <laughs> or two and and ten, they may as well stay out there than than face the wrath of all the Philadelphia fans who will be. Very angry. They actually requested the back-to-back weeks. Apparently, they and the Giants requested, since they were going to have to play against the West, that they play back-to-back games so that they don't have to fly back and forth. So apparently, they'll be staying out there in between weeks 13 and 14 so they don't have the cross-country travel. And, and, and depending on how the draft goes and how the season's going, Howie Roseman might be with him too, so he doesn't have to face the wrath of the... You are just the face <laughs> of optimism today as an Eagles fan. I, we haven't even gotten to the draft yet, and you're already stunningly happy about how this is all going. Well, they're, they're, all, they're already two-and-a-half-point underdogs, right? Well, <laughs> again, you said it's only temporary with the rosters. We'll see how things change, but, you know, they are the road dog. We'll see, we'll see how that works out. So Christmas night, they play the Raiders... How do you feel about going to see that game on Christmas night? Um, well, for for me, I don't I don't know. Um, it's one of those cold weather games that uh, I I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to go the next week against uh, the Cowboys. So you'll go to the New Year's New Year's yeah. the Eve Day game, right? 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 It's at one o'clock for that one. But the the Raiders game might be a really good game 
for uh, people that uh, celebrate Christmas and then going in, in that evening after they've had dinner to go to the game. They'll it might be, be really a good uh, Christmas present. On the bright side, there'll be less traffic on the roads because people won't be working that day. Right. So people will have all day to get excited and, and be ready for that game. So if you look at it all overall, the Eagles play in prime time five times. How does that make you feel as a fan? Do you like the late game? Do you get excited for the Sunday night or Thursday night or Monday night? Or no. do you like the 1 o'clock kickoff? I like the 1 o'clock kickoffs. I can uh, get to those games. It's so much easier to get to the stadium for the 1 o'clock games. So it's all about what's good for Jeff, right? Well, That's yeah. <laughs> right. Look, 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 look at the, the, as far as the schedule goes. They could change the times late in the season. I wonder it, whether right? the Denver game will end up being flexed to a night game and they end up getting six primetime. So think about that. When we go to the theater. It's a two o'clock curtain, right? Mm -hmm. They don't change it to five o'clock unless there's a snowstorm or something like that, which is rare. But but for the NFL, you have to go when they play. It, so it, I don't think that's fair. I, I agree with you in theory, but in fairness, they didn't sell advertising and everything for the tv rights for the, for, the theater for show yeah, right, and that's that's, right, that's, right. that's why they're they're moving it it's not really about the curtain time but i agree with you it's 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 frustrating for fans who plan their their schedule around that not only that but years ago before they had sellouts at at uh, the stadiums if they didn't have a sellout blacked out they were blacked out i hated those blackout so rules we we i mean i had season tickets for a long time we we were able to go but uh, everybody else it was really uh, frustrating so now now it's all televised everything's televised you can even get the nfl red zone right <laughs> oh i, I do oh i don't but oh i love I, I nfl red zone yeah. i think i my wife laughs at me. I believe NFL Red Zone is one of the best inventions ever made. I, I do, too. It's yeah. highly entertaining. The touchdown montage is perfect for me. I am a give-me-everything-in-a-very-tight-time-period. I can't. I don't have the attention span a lot to sit there and watch all day. Just cram it all in for me, give it in one place. So with the Eagles having five games in, five, in prime time, they're the only one of 10 teams that have five games in prime time. They're the only one that hasn't been in the playoffs in the last two years. So the NFL obviously thinks that the Eagles are going to be something. Because of Carson Wentz. They believe in Carson Wentz and the wide receivers. So they're telling you that they believe that their audience will be interested in what the Eagles are offering this year. The question is, will the fan base buy it here in Philadelphia? Buy Whatever product they put on the field, it'll start at the draft of next course. week. It's absolutely. Well, for it's the first couple of weeks, but if, if you're not very happy about it, how excited will you be about the NFL schedule at that point? At the NFL schedule at uh, after the draft? If you're not happy with how the team is playing and the moves that they've made, how happy will you be that they've scheduled a game on Christmas night? If, let's say it the it team, is what it is. You can't change anything. Well, I agree with you. The only thing you can change is uh, if you're going or not going. I agree with you, but I'll be sitting in the comfort and warmth of my home, so right. I, don't, yeah. I don't really mind it. But I enjoy the night games. I think the atmosphere is fun. If, if you dress properly it's for, for the cold, yeah, you have to dress, dress in layers. And you're good. And I, like the black, you're I like the black jerseys at night. and the, I mean, I still wish oh. that they would be the Kelly Green. Me I've too. made this argument many times. I'm hoping that their uniform change that they want with the helmet allows and goes to that. Do, do you know why yeah, years ago they they switched to a darker color? Those Kelly Green uh, uh-huh. uniforms everybody loves today, they were such a losing team <laughs> <laughs> back in those days. Oh, Eddie Kai, with well, the coach Eddie Kai and Joko Harrick and, and uh, all, all those co-tight people really dis- despise co-tight. When you rebrand, you repackage yourself. Yeah. I just happen to enjoy 
the Kelly green colors. I wish that they could combine the two. I've told you about this. I'd rather them outline the helmet in the Kelly green or the silver that gives them the in to go with that uniform and have it match the 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 headgear. So we've got the draft coming up, Jeff. Um, we've already established that you will not be zip lining down the parkway. No, 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 you're not. I but it's going to be nice weather. It's going to be really nice weather yeah, in the seventies and sixties at night. Mm-hmm. So you're not any more interested in walking around and seeing the sights and sounds. No. Uh, oh, will you watch on thing, TV? I watch on television. But here's about the thing about the television, is I'll watch what the Eagles do, and I'll watch a few picks before and after that. And then I get bored. So if I was down there, I'd be bored silly. So it's funny. For all I say, I have no attention span. I could probably sit there and watch the draft all day long. Right. Just watch the highlights. I'll flip back and forth between the NFL Network and ESPN and listen to what commentators I think are just completely ridiculous with what they're saying. Are, are you going? No, I don't know. It depends. I, we have my, my son, so we'll see what the schedule is. My wife's going to be away a little bit. The problem is that uh, the parkway is, is not close to a lot of parking lots. They're actually and offering parking down at... Uh, the Eagles Stadium and Citizens Bank Park and encouraging people to take the reverse train from there wow, up. It's free parking. But it's not only a hike. It's a hike from where you get off the subway. Oh, you'll uh, get some exercise. To, to get to, yeah, it's, I it's did, a long walk. I did the reverse walk when everything was cordoned off for the Democratic National Convention, and I had to try and get in that security perimeter. I remember. So it, it does look like it's going to be fun for the fans that go. Right now, Philadelphia still has the 14th pick. Jeff, uh, do you think that they are going to keep that pick, move that pick? I, I hope so. I hope they keep the pick and get somebody really good they could start next year. I think if it wasn't in Philadelphia, they'd be more likely to trade it. I think the fans will go crazy if the commissioner gets up to the microphone and he says, with the 14th pick, we have a trade. <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine what the reaction will be. Oh, by the way, I forgot to ask you, how long do you think it takes for the Christmas game does it take the broadcasters to mention snowballs and Santa? Oh, uh, about 30 seconds. Like They may have mentioned it on the schedule announced show last night, and I might have missed it, but you're going to hear about that a They'll never, ton. Never hear about hear the end of it. You are going to never hear the end of it. So right. the 14th pick, where are you going? Uh, there's been a lot of conversation, depending on which mock draft you watch and read, they could be the only thing they're not taking is a quarterback. Right. That yeah. seems to be the only consensus of all these drafts. I've seen cornerback i've seen linebacker i've seen defensive end i've seen receiver i've seen running back what do you think is the biggest need that jeff rubberg wants to see when the first round is over next week i think uh, a good player that could start next year this coming season whether it's offense or defense i, I think they really should take uh, uh, a, a cornerback because that's what they that's what they really need but you know if there's that if their player isn't there uh, I don't know whether they would consider drafting uh, or, or trading back, but I, th- I think I would like to see them take uh, uh, a defensive back. I don't think McCaffrey will be there. You don't? No. As a fan, how much do you factor in character? In the NFL, they oh, call it. In the NFL, they call it red flags. I don't want to see another Terrell Owens here. So you don't want them to draft a Joe Mixon, who has the history no, with um, with domestic abuse. You don't want to see. Do you have a different opinion about drafting Reuben Foster now, who failed a drug yeah, test at the combine? I do. I do. I think he's going to be a great player, but I don't think he's going to be here. So you wouldn't take the chance on him, even though he says that he just had food poisoning and had a lot of water. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> 
The, the drug tests uh, don't really lie. So. I mean, I don't know if Howie will take that chance, given what happened with Lane Johnson last year. Right. You know, do right. the Eagles become gun shy with players like that and I shy away will. from something? Yeah, I think they will. Um, so you wouldn't take, you believe McCaffrey would be gone. Would you take Dalvin Cook or are you more, I'll take a running back later in the draft? I think that they'll take a running back later in the draft. I, it's funny. Until Ezekiel Elliott last year, the conventional wisdom had been you can get a, a running back later on and take the best player available. This year, you've heard a lot of talk about taking a running back in the first round. I just don't know if that's the direction they're going to go. As much as I'd like to see them continue to improve the offense, I would really like to see somebody be able to do something on defense because we can't just keep outscoring people and giving up a ton of points. And I can't right. keep watching cornerbacks that are in position and can't play the ball right. to either knock it down or do something. Or intercept so it it. Yes, anything. Anything, yeah. The, they just look at it. The Sixers have better fans than the Eagles receivers. Yes, that's I right. Mean, yes. It's, it's a problem. That's true. But the Sixers, we'll talk about them later. So you won't be watching all three days of the draft? Uh, parts of it. Parts of it. Yeah. Okay. And if we have some plans on, on one of those days, then I won't be watching anything. My guess is I'll be watching less of it this year with my newborn at home. I can't just sit there all day and... I mean, oh, I, don't really? think he, I don't think he's going to be really interested in you know, the intricacies of the seventh-round pick out of South Dakota State. Don't forget, there's one other person I, you haven't mentioned is your wife. Well, she, I mean, honestly, she'd probably just leave me alone and be, be like he's a fool for sitting there and watching it and probably point and laugh at me. I think it's my son that probably won't be interested at all in sitting down that long. She would probably just go and do something if she wanted to and I wanted to watch it. So anyway, it'd be fine. You're going to take us a break, we'll Jack? You're listening to the Heart of Sports on 610 AM, when it, and it's time for us to take our first break. When we return, we'll talk some sled hockey with our special guests. Stay right here. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey. Those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. And we're back. This is the Heart of Sports on 610 AM. I'm Jeff Rutberg with Jason Springer. We, uh, we have some guests here, some special guests. I'd like to introduce everyone to Tom Brake, the president of the Wings of Steel sled hockey team. Tom coaches both men's and women's sled hockey teams and is involved with the game both nationally and locally. Welcome to the show, Tom. Oh, thank you. 
Appreciate you having us. Oh, great. I think we're going to have a good talk here. And also in the studio with us is Garrett Goble, who plays forward and defense for the Wings of Steel sled hockey team. How you doing, Garrett? Good. Thanks so much for coming in. So we are so glad that you guys are here. Uh, I was, I'm a huge hockey fan to begin with, and I'm only slightly familiar with sled hockey. So I was hoping, Garrett, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit. If they haven't seen sled hockey, what's, what would they expect to see you playing? Um, when you see us playing, you pretty much, it's just like, it's just like us having a, like a bucket under our butt and then some blades underneath of us yep. with, and um, some sticks with metal picks at the bottom. Okay, and so the sticks with the metal picks at the bottom, and so you use that to get around the ice. And then how do you shoot? Because I have a hard enough time picking up a glass of water without falling over sometimes. So <laughs> especially how, when Brandon is in your Yes, arms. especially when my son is around. People can attest to me being a klutz. So how do you do this all in terms of uh, getting around the ice, taking a shot, making it work? Um, well, when we get around the ice is we just push our, the bottom of the sticks into the ice and they just stick in and then it allows us to move forward and when we're trying to score we slide our hand down and just slap the puck or whichever we're going to try to do to take a shot off you they use two sticks right yes two sticks so you can you can catch the the puck with one and pass it over to the other hand or take a shot yeah okay jeff do you think you could do that I mean, let's be honest here. I, I could not, okay? While, while sitting on a, yes, uh, a, a slippery uh, um, a metal bucket. I used to have a hard enough time just skating and taking a shot without falling down with right, one stick, yeah, let alone I, two I sticks. I, I never learned to uh, ice skate well anyway. So, no, I don't know. I, don't, I could do it. So, Tom, you've been around hockey since the 1970s. You were a referee. How did sled hockey come about, and how did you get involved with it? I was invited to do a sled hockey tournament in Atlantic City, and I went down, never heard of sled hockey. So when I did a face-off, being an able-bodied person, I backed up and fell over a player, and when I went down, I thought my skate blades caught him, and I rolled over and looked at him, and he was laughing at me. (laughs) So I said, are you okay? And he says, yeah, I'm fine. So that was my introduction to sled hockey it it started as physical rehabilitation for for players back in the 50s though the idea behind sled hockey before there was actually a league yeah it started in uh, sweden okay um a bunch of guys got together and put some sleds together as they call them sledges over in europe uh and it caught on over here and it basically started over here in about 1998 and then it's been taken off ever since. And now it's a sport in the Paralympics. Yes. So, Garrett, is how did you decide that you wanted to play sled hockey? Well, when my dad used to live by the coach of the sled hockey team, so when they found out that I was born with a disease, they said, hey, it would be a good idea if I joined the team when I'm old enough. And how old was that? Six. Well. And so the league, uh, the, the sport in itself and the league welcomes people with all kinds of disabilities to play, correct? Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for everybody to participate. How competitive is it? I think you were telling me that it gets kind of physical out there, right? Yeah, it does get pretty physical. No, no fighting at your level, but Coach, you said that at the adult level sometimes there's some fighting, Yeah, right? the adult level gets very physical. Yeah. Uh, 
especially if you're at the national level, uh, it is really physical. Are they are they secured into the into this land? They have a specially made bucket. Uh, then we strap them in as tight as we can possibly get them in. Is it possible that they will roll over on this? Uh, that it'll, it'll tip. Well, the object of putting a player in a sled is to make them one with the sled. So they're tight as possible, and we have straps that we put around their legs. And then they would use the sticks as picks use to get the themselves back up yeah. and move around. So if they, they collide, couldn't somebody be knocked over? Yes, but they get up themselves. Okay. Now, can you explain, for those of us who, who have watched hockey on TV, what's the difference in the rules and the gameplay? The rules are the same uh, as able body hockey, but we have one rule called teeing when you come into the side of a sled make forming a T and that's a major penalty because somebody could get seriously injured. When you say major penalty, do they get ejected from the game? Is it a five minute Yeah, they get a five minute major and a ten minute misconduct. Is there a penalty box? They sit on the ice, uh, right in the referee's crease, and that's where that's the penalty box. More and more rinks are becoming sled hockey uh, available where they have uh, they can enter into a regular penalty, regular player's bench. Where, where do you play? Is it near here? Or? We play at the Virtuous Skate Zone in Voorhees. Oh, okay. Can, can people come and watch those games? Yes. We, our normal games throughout the winter are at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturdays. And we welcome anybody to come, and we're always looking for to recruit new players because uh, the more kids we can get on the ice, the better it is. So how do you make sure, when I used to skate, uh, I would have a really hard time stopping before I'd hit the boards, you know, where you come to a jump stop. and the, how, how do you stop your sled so that you don't hit the boards? Is it? Um, well, you either hit the boards head on or you just lean over on the one blade and you just try to turn it away from it as fast as you can. How do you stop? Um, a lot of kids, they'll put their gloves on the ice or they'll like start putting the picks in front of them. It's like they're trying to like, slow down. But other than that, kids either hit the boards or just gradually slow down. Oh my goodness, I hope it doesn't look like bumper cars. <laughs> Coach, how many players are on the ice at, at one time? Is it same as hockey? Same as hockey. So you we have, have five a, skaters and a goalie. And a goalie. Does the goalie wear different gear? No. Identical as the able body. So the goalie has people shooting at them with a puck with no different gear on. No, nope, no. Nope. He's equipped with the same amount of gear. And, and you wear helmets, right? Yes. Everybody wears a helmet. But couldn't the pucks hit players on the way to the uh, goal? A lot easier, I think, than a, than a, than a regular uh, uh, hockey game, like an NHL game. Yeah, they... They're just like the able bodies. They get hit with the puck in front of the net, and uh, it just bounces off of them. They're well, we make sure that they're very well protected. How do people train? Is, there, is it difficult to get ice time to be able to practice? I, I, you know, you said that sometimes the facilities don't have penalty boxes that are necessarily uh, accessible. Is that something that's improving for you guys in terms of opportunities where you can play and practice? Uh, I have a good relationship with the skate zone. Uh, we practice every Thursday throughout the year, and we have uh, eight game slots on Saturdays throughout the hockey season. So how many uh, players are on a team total? 
right now we're carrying 17 players. Uh, you can have up to 20. You can have up to 20. So, Garrett, we like on this show, uh, we call ourselves the heart of sports because we like to talk about the impact that sports has on, on people and the lessons that we learn. What are some of the things that you've gotten besides the fun of playing and winning out of being a part of sled hockey, meeting people, lessons you've learned, anything like that? Well, it just allows me to be able to do more things. Like when I was a kid, I always wished of being a hockey player and playing other sports. And then when I got old enough, they told me, like, hey, let's go try this out. And then I ended up loving it. So the sport's letting you live your dream when people didn't know if that would happen for you yeah do you make a lot of friends through through playing hockey too yes i make a lot of friends and do you learn a lot of lessons from your coaches about more than hockey in terms of practicing and discipline we often talk about that on the show the lessons that people learn that they'll be able to use after they're done playing yeah we do learn lots of lessons Mm -hmm. like um listening to the coaches because we have some kids who just don't like to listen, but and then a lot of them are getting a lot better at it. There are some adults that don't like to listen too, so don't don't feel bad. You, um, how old are you now? I'm 14. Oh, okay. So this is something that you could play uh, the rest of your life, pretty much. Well, yeah, the kids' league goes to about 18, but um, if you're not good enough, you can always get like a extension, and it just just allows you to play for another year. Okay, and but in college, then you, you would play for a club, another club. You can you could still you can still go to college. They just won't have a team, probably. Some colleges do have hockey teams. Sled hockey's? Yeah. Sled hockey. Oh, that's car- that's terrific. Um, you have a particular disorder uh, that involves uh, brittle bones. Aren't you afraid of uh, breaking a bone while you're playing? No, mainly because. Um I wear orange, and the orange tells the other players pretty much, like, hey, I'm not allowed to be hit, so just you can try to take the puck from me. You can push me over a little bit. You're just not allowed to contact me and hurt me at all. Oh, okay. All right. That's great. So what other – Coach, how do people find the league? If there are parents out there who have children in a situation that they'd like them to play the sport, they'd like them to get involved, how would they find you? They can contact me at – uh, sled hockey one at comcast.net or my phone number is 856 261 6880. And the only criteria that we have for any player is to smile when you come off the ice. Well, so we asked Garrett about the lessons. You've been around hockey for a long time, it's probably taught you a lot in your life as a referee, as a coach now with kids. What are some of the lessons that you've learned both from the adults that you've worked with, the able-bodied players, as you would call them, and the, the players in the sled hockey league? What are the, some of the takeaways that you have that people could learn from and, and would appreciate? Well, with the able-bodied community, um, it's more about winning, especially getting travel teams and the triple A's. And with us, uh, it's all about fun. If we win, we win. If we don't win, that's fine, too. But the main thing we want the kids to understand is to go out and have fun and make friends. So do you think that um, the kids in, in sled hockey and the people who play sled hockey appreciate the opportunity they're given more, the, the able body kind of take it for granted a little bit, the, the opportunities that they have? I mean, we see that with a lot of athletes who take for granted the skill and opportunity that they have that other people 
would give for. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, being in the able-bodied community, sometimes they feel like they uh, they deserve what they get. Our kids, the parents, uh, are so appreciative of uh, the parents come in, uh, they, they stay for the whole practice, not like the able-bodied, they drop them off at the front door and leave and come back. Can you talk about what it's like to see the emotion on the parents' face when their their child gets to succeed or learn or do things that they didn't know whether they would be able to do in their life? Yeah, I, I can just recall one child that we had uh, when we first started. His therapist said that he would never push himself. And we have special sleds that we have somebody that pushes them because they have no upper body strength. And through watching the other players in about two months he says i want to push myself and the therapist told me he would never and he ended up being doing exactly that he pushed himself and we see that all the time with with that do you do you have uh, a uh, banquet at the end and uh, give trophies i mean you said you were in the playoffs this year yes we didn't do well but we were there but you were there hey but, uh, yeah, we have an end-of-year banquet every June. Uh, we give the kids trophies and luncheon. And, uh, it's, for us, it's all about the kids. Uh, we, don't, we don't look for anything in return, all the coaching staff. and all, We just do because we love doing what we do. Do you do fundraising activities? to? Uh, yeah, we have an annual golf outing, and now that you mentioned that, it's coming up next Friday at the Ramblewood Country Club. And that's how we raise the money to pay for the ice for the, the, for the next coming season. When I first started this team, I vowed to never charge a parent a penny for their ch- child to play. And we've been doing this since 19, 2001, and the parents have never paid a penny. It seems like you and the coaches get as much out of this league as the kids who play in it. Oh, yeah. It's, well, it's become my life, my family's life. So, Garrett, how does that make you feel when you, you hear that the coach, it, it's so rewarding for him, for you to have the opportunity to play sled hockey? It makes me glad because then it just allows everybody else to be able to do more things. The, the opportunity that you're providing really does sound fantastic. Can you talk a little bit? I saw in your bio um, that you're involved with the USA Hockey Disabled Council. Right. Can you talk a little bit for our listeners that are unaware of some of the activities or some of the disabilities out there that, that people are facing? Could you explain a little bit about that to them? Yeah, we at USA Hockey have a disabled council, and we encompass uh, standing amputee teams, uh, deaf and hard of hearing teams, uh, special hockey for uh, people that are mentally challenged, and we encompass all them into our programs. And then every year we have a what we call a disabled festival, which we bring all the teams into one building and just have a good time. Uh, we had it here in Philadelphia twice, and we had about 180 disabled athletes in the building at one time. It sounds inspiring. Do you you coach men's and women, or boys and girls, right? Yes, I coached the USA 20 and under team, and now I'm affiliated with the USA women's national team. Women's national team. Uh, they have International Olympics uh, 
Where you're the coach? The Paralympics. Paralympics. There's the Paralympics, but right now there's not enough women's teams throughout the world to for us to be a Paralympic sport. But that's something that we're working on. So do who, you, who do you play? Sorry, Jeff. That's all right. Go ahead. Who do you play? We play Canada. Uh, October, we went over to Norway to play Norway. Uh, Europeans have a team. Uh, Korea is getting a team together, and so is China. We need six teams to, be, to become a Paralympic sport. Do you think men and women can compete against each other on the same team against other teams? We, we, women play on men's teams, but... Uh, our women's team, we're the only one in the country, so we have to play all men's teams. <laughs> okay. So, um, And how do they do? We do very well. Um, sometimes we get beat up, beat up pretty good, but uh, for us to get games, that's how we have to do it. Good. Okay. Garrett, you said your brother plays hockey too? Yeah, my brother plays um, able-body hockey. So do you guys uh, – practice together sometimes on the ice um no so so when he comes to your games does he give you tips or do you give him tips on what to do no because my brother knows nothing about what i do and he still tries to give me tips so (laughs) i was just checking um coach when you were a referee what did you take away from that experience that you've been able to translate to coaching with athletes now learn how to talk to people and handle people uh Learn that you don't lose your temper. Uh, you have to be mild-mannered at all times. So that, and coaching, uh, especially when you get a new player, and when we started a team, we had all new players. So you've got to take the time to explain to them, and it's like repetition, repetition, to get them to understand it, what the game is about, because most of them never even heard of sled hockey or hockey. I get I go to the Princeton University uh, ice hockey uh, games a few a year, and I like to watch the referees. Uh, they're usually pretty young and and uh, probably not much older than some of the players on the team, and uh, I watch how well they skate and how they can skate backwards and get out of the way of the puck and players. Uh, I, I have a lot of uh, respect for, for uh, hockey uh, referees, and I used to scream at them at the Flyers games and how <laughs> blind they were and stuff like that. Well, that was in the days when there was just one referee. Jeff was that guy. Yeah, I was the guy standing up uh, going I crazy. can attest to that. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, how you have to get out of the way of the pucks and, and jump up on the boards now too, right? And not so much now. The coaches are on the bench area. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Well, when, when you were a referee. Yeah, you – yeah, it's the same thing. There's no difference. Uh, you got to get out of their way. The, the game is a little slower than it would be uh, in, in the NHL, right? But but they're still they're still moving pretty well. Yeah, pretty it's fast. a lot slower than able body hockey, even at the 12, 14 year olds. Uh, some of the kids just can't move as quick, so it's a slower pace of hockey than what most people are used to seeing. Do you have in in, uh, youth sports, sometimes you hear about the overzealous parent. It it seems like in in this opportunity, you may not have as much of that because they might appreciate the opportunity for their kids more. Am I off base with that? No, our parents are not overzealous at all. Uh, They're just happy to see their kids out on the ice with a big smile and doing the best they can. Uh, As a uh, parent of a a child uh, that uh, competes in Special Olympics, New Jersey, um, to, to see her 
win a 50-yard uh, dash or 50-meter dash or, or 100 or get a, get a, a, a medal, you know, you, you can't believe the emotion, uh, how good it feels to, to see someone who, uh, you know, I would imagine it's the same thing for you. Yeah, we, when we first started, uh, we went to what they call the Garden State Games, and I think we finished second, and all the kids got medals. Well, there's this one boy that walked around the neighborhood for a week wearing that medal, and that's how much it meant to him. You know, and that kind of touched me, and I thought, wow, you know, this means something to them. It really is fantastic. We're so glad that you could come and join us in studio. Garrett, any last thoughts about what people should know about sled hockey, why they might want to get involved and play you? It just allows them to be able to have fun and enjoy hockey. Get out there, right? Just get out there and do stuff. Just get out there and do it. Coach, how again can people get in touch with you if they would like to get involved with the league or support your efforts? It's... My email address is sledhockey, S-L-E-D-H-O-C-K-E-Y, the number one at comcast.net or 856-261-6880. Thank you. Thank you for both of, us, both of you for coming to talk about sled hockey, but you're going to stay through the next uh, break. Yeah, you're going to talk some NHL playoffs with us, right? Playoffs, yeah. All right. All right, we'll look forward to it. Well, thank you for having us. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's great talking to you about this uh, the interesting sport. I want to go next year. I want to make sure I get to some games. You're listening to The Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. It's time for our final break. When we come back, we'll talk about the NHL playoffs. We'll be right back. Let me tell you, buying or selling a home is a life-changing decision. Whether you're looking for your first home or searching for your forever home, Ann Coons is the realtor you need. In fact, she helped my wife and I settle into our forever home. With over 30 years helping satisfied clients buy and sell homes in the Delaware Valley, Ann Coons will give you the professional and reliable service you deserve. When it's time to buy or sell a home in South Jersey or Philadelphia, contact Ann Coons, the only name you need to know in real estate. You can call Ann Coons today at 856-795-4709. Again, that's 856-795-4709. Or learn more on the web at www.annkoonsrealestate.com. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.NewJerseyShares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Great to be back with you on the Heart of Sports on 610 AM Sports. I'm Jeff Rutberg along with Jason Springer. All this talk of sled hockey has me thinking about um, one of my favorite sports, uh, hockey. I'm watching the NHL playoffs. Jeff, are you watching? I am and loving it. Okay, so I'm torn. I'm loving it because I love playoff hockey. I'm also frustrated because I don't believe the Flyers match up against these teams. Any of the teams, even the ones that were swept, four to nothing. So I'm, I'm frustrated by the fact that um, I believe that there are more changes needed than I thought there would be to 
get to what we would like to see out of the Flyers, and it's more than just goaltending. The skill and the speed that you are seeing in these games, the Flyers just just can't match right now. Right, they can't, and even the ones that were expected to, like uh, Drew, he, he didn't have a good year. Did he? Did he score? Even score twenty goals this year? I'm sure he did. He didn't have a great year. It's uh, it was a disappointing year. I've heard somebody say that it's a speed bump for the Flyers. I can only hope so. That sounds like an optimistic Philadelphia fan trying to write off another season of not achieving what you hoped would happen. Uh, but, we, we have a good way of rationalizing those things. But, however, it, it takes more than just the skill player. It takes defense, and it takes a goalie. I mean, look at how many goalies were just mediocre during the year, and they got hot at the end, and they did really well in the playoffs. Well, and look at the reverse in the playoffs. You have Bobrovsky, who was a top goalie all season for Columbus, and then Pittsburgh just gets him right out of the playoffs. Columbus is gone. I mean, they had a great season. and So you realize how important goaltending is. Same thing with Chicago. They were the top, one of the top teams going in. Crawford just didn't have it. They did not look like the same team this season uh, again, you laugh at my fantasy hockey uh, prowess or lack thereof, but I can tell you from the points that, that Crawford put up this season, it was not like his past seasons. I've had him on my team. Right. Uh, so it, And Bobrovsky would put up a lot of points, but he'd also have nights where he would let up a lot, and that those breakdowns in the playoffs you just can't have happen. That's, that's what happened when he was with the Flyers. That's why he's not still with the Flyers. Well, one of the reasons he's not still with the Flyers. Did you watch the well, night that there were four overtime games in one night? Yes, yes. It's uh, a little late for me. Yeah, uh, I, I could stay I used up. to be able to stay up later. I feel old now uh, with my newborn. I'm just not catching as many late games. But I, I saw again last night uh, San no. Jose's game went into overtime. Anaheim won late. Actually, you are up uh, when he gets up at 2 or 3 in the morning, but then you have to watch it on replay. Yeah, I, I, at that point, I'm just trying to get back to sleep a little bit. Um, I, I used to wake up and I'd be like, oh, okay, you know, I'll catch whatever I want. Now it's like I'll take any sleep that I can get right, for yeah. any moment that I can get it. So, Garrett, are you watching the, the hockey playoffs? Yeah, a little bit. What do you think of what we've seen so far? Any surprises on your end? Not really. I was surprised to see Nashville knock them out in four games. I thought Chicago would play a little bit better. Um, Coach, did you watch? Uh, have you watched any of the games? Yeah, some of them. The, the atmosphere. Can you talk a little bit about what you see as somebody who's um, been involved in around the game? The atmosphere around playoff hockey as opposed to regular season hockey. Oh, uh, playoff hockey is just. There's nothing like it. Uh, everybody gets psyched. But I was a little shocked that Chicago went down and like that. I got some real good friends in Chicago that's probably not very happy today. <laughs> I, I thought that they would play better. I, I did too. I, I did not think that they would go so quietly into the night yeah, like I, that. I totally agree with you. Uh, the The series that's been uh, pretty fascinating to watch actually is Montreal against the Rangers. They They've played some good hockey, and the atmosphere in Montreal for those games is just insane. Well... You got to consider it's Montreal. I I like look. I don't like the Canadians and and Jeff. I know that at times you can root for New York teams. I can't do that. I, I just it's in my blood. I you can't know, do that. They win. That's the thing. And I think there's actually more pressure to win in New York than there is in Philadelphia. I think we tolerate uh, more mediocrity than they do. In recent years, we've certainly tolerated more mediocrity because I think we've been worn down, but I don't care how long we've been worn down. I still can't root for a New York team. No, not at all. Okay. No, not no, at all. Yeah. I, I Even when the Phillies are, or, or, or the Philadelphia teams are out of it? No. 
<laughs> okay. No, well, well, I can't do it. Well, the thing about Montreal was they, they used to own the, the Stanley Cup for, for many, many years and had some great players and beat the Flyers in 76. I'm sure that the ever, all the Flyer fans appreciate you reminding them of those losses. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was there at that last game when the, when the uh, Canadians were mo- are skating around with the cup hoisted over their heads. I remember I a young Patrick Waugh playing on the Montreal Canadiens, and it's, um, I've enjoyed watching Shea Weber go from Nashville this year to playing in Montreal uh, in the P.K. Subban trade. I think it was a good trade for both teams, and it, it, the personalities fit the teams very well. So Subban's become an integral part of what Nashville's doing, and, and Weber has just really tightened up the defense for Montreal, and the, the skill that you're seeing some of these teams play with is, is just top-notch. Uh, when it goes into, okay, so Jeff, do you like in the regular season when it goes into shootouts or do you like it when overtime goes forever? Overtime. Overtime goes forever. I think the shootouts are, are, to me, are minor league. I love watching long overtimes where it's like the second and third and fourth overtime. I remember years ago, the Keith Primo goal, mm-hmm. yeah. it was like the, the sixth period of the game, basically, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. It was very early in the morning at that point. There, there's nothing like those games. And the fans just sit on the edge of their seat with every play, every sure. pass, every e- shot. Even on television, I'm yelling at the, at, at the TV, shoot, just shoot. You got to get that puck in, fr- in front of the goalie or behind the goalie, just shoot. Just one of those parents who's in the crowd yelling. So it's well, you know, I've really mellowed over the years, uh, especially since now security or the event staff will uh, kick you out of the stadium and there's cameras all over the place. But years ago, I used to, I I never cursed, I just yelled it a lot and screamed. Well, my father did that. I mean, he taught that that to me <laughs> so you you were a guy who gave a hard time to the refs you believed it was their fault for what was happening yes, to our team but but i wasn't sitting too close to the ice or, or wherever to the to the field when i did that i was often in the second level so you were the hold me back guy the guy who like yells about things but never actually wants to fight you just want to yell about it and have people hold them back and no, nobody had it. to hold me back i just yelled and got it out <laughs> a, a few years ago i was at the uh, uh citizens bank park Watching a Phillies game uh, when uh, uh, a guy named Bastardo was uh, pitching for the Phillies. Oh, I can't imagine what you did with that. And uh, I, I knew he was going to give up a home run. The Phillies were winning, and my wife was with me, and we're sitting behind the uh, visitors' dugout. And uh, uh, I think it was a guy named McCann that came up to uh, hit for the Braves. And I just knew it. I, I just knew it. Sometimes you just know it. And I was yelling for Bastardo to get off the field. I was rooting, asking the manager, come on, take him out. Take him out now. <laughs> my what wife ha- said, sit down, sit down now. And what happened? I sat down, and the next pitch went out into uh, uh, the left field stands uh, for a grand slam. Well, you, you must have seen what was coming. Before we move to baseball, I do want to talk one of my favorite traditions that hockey has. Uh, coach, the handshakes on the ice after a long, tough series of physically beating each other up where they stand there in line, they shake hands. Now, I remember when I was a kid, You'd do that, and it's like good game, you stink type stuff because you're a kid. But it seems that, that with these professionals, they, they take it seriously and really kind of appreciate each other a little bit with the handshakes. Yeah, it, when they do that, it's more of a mutual respect for one another. I mean, they hate each other playing, but a lot of them are real good friends off the ice and in the off season. So 
I think it's cool that they do that. I like it because it's not something that they do during the regular season. Right. Like the NFL, they all get together at the end of every game and they talk and they laugh no matter what happens. In hockey, that doesn't happen at the end of the games. They go to their locker rooms. But in the playoffs, at the end of a hard-fought series, they come together and recognize each other. I think it's a good lesson that you know, kids and adults who are watching can take away from it that you can fight real hard for what you believe in, and at the end of the day, you can shake somebody's hand and tell them that you respect them afterwards. Didn't, I think I saw that in soccer last year at the they, Unity Cup. They, they do, and it's, it's something that people often forget that, that sports are supposed to be fun. That's a <laughs> As game. fans, we, games. T- we take it really seriously, and look, I'm much more miserable on a Monday morning after the Eagles lose than a Monday morning after the Eagles win. But in the end, if you're talking about people who get into it for the love of the game, like we talk about it sometimes, it's a little bit different there. I used to get so upset at Eagles' losses <laughs> that I couldn't read the paper the next day, the sports page. I could read the other sections, but not the sports page. I always enjoy the sports hangover that happens after the loss. It's like the euphoria before the game and just the despair after the game. It was so close. It's like the emotional swing that sports can put people on always seems to to surprise me yeah it's it you should see what happens at the uh outside the uh uh link uh, sometimes with uh with the opposing fans who are in their uh team's uh jerseys i i don't (laughs) always think that's good either i i actually respect people who wear their team's jersey to an opposing park i i wouldn't do it because i just don't believe it's the best life choice to make but so, some of my yeah, friends that uh, go to the Eagles games are painting their faces. And and uh, and if you say, to, you know, when you cheer that the other team made a good play, they look at you and they they sneer and, and I can see their teeth and their fangs coming out. I think you should paint your face, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Nah, can we get that? Nah. Our listeners might take up a collection for it. <laughs> get Jeff to paint his face. All right. Well, let's move across the park from Lincoln Financial Field to Citizens Bank Park. I heard an interview with uh, Philly's owner, John Middleton, this week. Did you hear? Yes, I heard Did, part of that. Yeah. You know, so I heard him say he's intent on winning or he's going to die trying. And the only reason professional sports teams exist is to win. <laughs> I want my owner to say that. Yeah, I do too. I st- George Steinbrenner used to say that and Vince Lombardi, sure. He talked about growing up in the area and being a Phillies fan since 1961. I remember when Jeffrey Lurie bought the Eagles and people were worried that he was going to move the team and they didn't mm-hmm. think he was a Philadelphian. Do you feel better as a fan having an owner who understands the struggles that you as a fan have gone through yes. because they've been a fan too? Yes, and talking about 1961, at that time the Phillies were owned by a guy named Bob Carpenter. Uh, he was uh, uh, from the DuPont uh, Company, and, and, or owned, part owner of the DuPont Company, and he ran the Phillies like it was a hobby. And he wouldn't spend money on anything. And, and uh, so to have a noter now that really wants to win, th- that does feel good. It did seem like he said it could be another couple years. You willing to be patient with what the Phillies are doing? Am I willing to be patient? <laughs> What's the option? <laughs> well, I, I mean, you, for the you go root for New York. Yeah, I, sure, I got yeah. no other option. That, yeah. I, got, I got nowhere to turn. I can root but... for the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of New York, so let's go to the ball club on the field. They played New York this past week. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned yeah, they, two out of three two games. Two out of three. They could have, uh, and they could have won that uh, middle game, too. If they weren't moving to their third closer of the <laughs> season now? Well, you know— Everyone's knocking uh, Gomez, but he had a great year last year. He, he kind of fizzled out at the end, 
But he really was good, and it was unexpected to have 30-something saves. So they, they, they gave him another chance. McCannon gave him another chance, and he didn't do well. But he's proven that he could, he could either close or save or, or play in, the, in, the, um, in Major League Baseball. So if he's now on the team as a uh, middle reliever, that's fine. You are correct in the things that you say. Mm-hmm. However, I am not a smart man. I do know it's not a good thing when you're 15 games into a season to be on your third person closing for well, your team. If they, if they have to find, uh, if they got the whole season to find him. So, so if they're, so what? It's only the third one? Let's see well, if he does well. Well, Joaquin Benoit was doing so well until he gave up the game-winning home run to Bryce Harper there. But Harper is a, is a good player. He'll, he'll take a lot of pitchers deep. I actually think the best way that they have it is uh, Benoit as a setup man in the eighth and Neris, who has been absolutely lights out, who came in and closed the last game of the series against the Mets. He is he has zero earned runs, uh, nine strikeouts in eight innings. I mean, he is really throwing the ball very well right now. Yes. Let's talk about starting pitching. You mentioned Darren Nola. Right. He's yeah. pitching better. Um, Vinny from Philly, Vinny Velasquez, still has a hard time getting deep in the game, fizzled out by the sixth inning. Uh, you believe you uh, remember we talked with Jeff Cohen, who believes that he will end up in the bullpen. Okay, that's fine. He's a hard thrower. He he believes he has the stuff to be in the pen. Good. We'll see. Right now, they're going to need starting pitchers still because Clay Buckholz is gone for the season. Okay, so they'll bring somebody up from. Oh, they did uh, Eflin. They brought up. You weren't a fan of that signing to begin with, were you? What's the Buckholz signing? You you didn't really. No, I didn't. I, I I knew he was hurt. He wasn't doing well and. And why take why take a chance on someone like that? Why bring why not bring somebody else up from the minors? Did you yell at your TV when Freddie Galvis did not run out the play the other night? I didn't watch that. Uh, social media there. blew up with that. Uh, but they were talking about it today uh, and, and other other uh, media. The thing is that McCannon doesn't have a uh, contract. They were saying so if he doesn't, he starts benching players. He'll lose, lose the clubhouse. I don't want to see that happen. I think uh, uh, in in hockey, uh, Barber, Bill Barber, who's a really fine uh, uh, player for the for the Flyers, he was a coach, and uh, and I thought he was a good coach. And the players just didn't trust him, didn't like him, and stopped playing. Jeff, we're almost out of time, so that's going to be have to be your last coach thought. When we come back on the air next week, the Eagles will have made their first round draft pick. Yes. Will they have taken a cornerback, running back? Or somebody else? I think they'll have taken a cornerback. A cornerback. So yes. that's your choice. Yes. I'm, yours? I'm hoping they take a cornerback. I, I really would like to lock that down. I wouldn't be totally surprised before the drug test if they would have considered Reuben Foster if he was still on the board, well, even though that's not necessarily a position of need for them right now. I just want to make sure that we thank uh, Tom Brake and, and uh, Garrett Goebel. Thank for, you for being guests. Thank you guys so much for joining us, and thank you everybody for joining us this week on the Heart of Sports. Make sure to join us next week again in our new time next Saturday at 1 p.m. Thanks everyone for listening, and we look forward to talking with you next week. Bye bye.